Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's Interesting. Of course, I am Tim Hawley, and I bring on guests to discuss careers or hobbies that bring them fulfillment. I met Rob at BYU while getting an MBA, and he came on to talk about his own podcast, Good Rally. It's all about sharing uplifting stories to counter so much of the negativity that we are constantly bombarded with. Definitely go give his podcast a listen. He did uh, one season, and we'll start up the second season after the summer, and so he has about 18 episodes out already, and they're great stories. Uh, for this podcast, Rob and I cover a variety of things, such as why he decided to start a podcast and how he chose the theme, some of the tactics and products for making a podcast, and how running helps build confidence in his daily life. So thanks for listening, and as always, please enjoy. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Good. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come on to my humble podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the way I like to kick these off is give you a couple minutes to introduce yourself, just a little background about who you are so everybody who's listening um, can kind of take that as a basis for all the questions and everything that comes afterwards. Okay, awesome. Well, my name is Rob Callen. I am originally from the western United States, so I was born in Utah. I uh, lived there for the majority of my life, um, up until I went overseas for a couple of years uh, to serve a ser- service mission for um, for the church that I belong to, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and um, came back from that experience and I studied English as an undergrad and worked in a variety of industries up until I decided to go back to school, get my MBA, and during that MBA program I focused on human resources and organizational behavior, um, which has been an amazing experience, but throughout that time um, I had various opportunities to work in multimedia or music or um, guitar performance. And at one stage, I worked for a radio station as a DJ and a radio host. And so during that, uh, that period of employment, I discovered the, the passion that I had for storytelling and for um, connecting with listeners through audio and through music. And so it wasn't too long ago that I um, decided to get into podcasting, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit more in, in the next couple minutes here, but um, but that's a little bit about me. Oh, that's great. And actually, just out of curiosity, where was your service mission at? What country, and um, did you learn a foreign language for that? Um, yeah, so I lived in Spain, and I lived in the southern part of Spain, so probably some of the more notable cities um, in that region of Spain are Seville and Granada. Um, so I did learn Spanish um, during my time there, which coming back to the States is one of the languages that probably gets used more frequently, um, which has been, been really good, and it's given me a chance to keep the language fresh and, and connect with people that I otherwise might not have connected with. No, oh, no, that's great. And so actually, I mean, you mentioned something that I mean, we are talking about podcasts, and actually, I mean, that's really the whole point of this, I and mean, I hate to use a somewhat pretentious word, but uh, this is a meta podcast episode where it's a podcast about podcasting. But um, I'm really, that's why I brought you on is because you have a podcast that you've done quite a few episodes for now. 
And why don't you talk about that a little bit uh, before we get going? Okay. So I, um, as I mentioned, very interested in storytelling, very interested in um, the production of audio. I'm kind of a geek in that way. Um, but as I navigated the very divisive 2016 presidential election season, um, I found myself ingesting a lot of negativity, whether it was political commentary, whether it was, um, you know, debates that can sometimes rage on social media between people. And very quickly, I found that it was starting to impact the way that I viewed the world. It was starting to impact my own um, level of hope that I had for the future. And I realized that I did not like that trend. I, I felt like collectively people were surrendering to um, sort of the, the, the baser sides of their natures. And so as I thought about what I might possibly do to help shift that, the tone of that conversation, I started to think again about my background in audio production, my background in radio, and storytelling. And even though I have a full-time job, I work in HR for you know, a Fortune 500 company, um, I felt like it would be important to somehow use my background to add some optimism to the world. And so I talked with my wife about different projects that I could potentially get involved with, and eventually we landed on the idea of creating a podcast. And so that started a process of doing a lot of research and trying to figure out you know, who is our audience, what is the mission of the show, what are we trying to feature, and so ultimately um, we landed on uh, the idea that our show would focus on everyday people who were involved with uh, projects or who had overcome great challenges in their lives, different adversities, and the goal of each episode of the, the podcast would be to show a small piece of evidence that the world is actually still a beautiful place to be, that it's full of good people, and that there are a ton of reasons to feel optimistic about the future. And we decided to call the name of the show Good Rally. So obviously the good part, focusing on optimism, and then the idea of a rally in terms of, you know, when, when a military group, and, and this may be relevant to you, Tim, with your background in military, but you know, when a, when a military group has been, you know, beaten back or when they've suffered, you know, a setback, they, they regroup and they pick themselves up and they push forward again, they rally. And so I feel like that, that name kind of captured the spirit of, of the show in that, yes, we've navigated some pretty challenging, divisive conversations as, as a country and as a world. And now let's focus on the good. Let's pick ourselves up. Let's group back together and let's let's push forward let's let's rally around the good and so um that's how the show got started no oh, i really like that that's actually i was kind of curious about where the rally part came from it um and i really like that that's really awesome uh um that whole uh getting back together and um not just sitting back but actually taking charge of the situation a little bit i like that a lot um, yeah. And you know something that you said actually I've, I've thought about that a lot because I um, Don't watch the news a whole lot But I mean I sometimes listen to 
news like on a podcast or something like that. And I used to do it right before I go to bed or right when I wake up in the morning. And it was, it was always so full of negativity that it just, it really got me down. It's like the last thing I was listening to or the first thing I was listening to when I woke up in the morning was like negative, negative, like the other side is doing this or this is what's wrong with the world and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I just got away from it because it was, and I could feel that it was getting me down and affecting how I interacted or how I slept or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a healthy blend of, you know, you, 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 I think we all have an imperative to stay on top of what's going on in the world, um, but we also need to be really careful about the types of sources that we go to for our news or for our entertainment, and, and often, um, you know, the information is geared towards the sensational because our brains readily latch on to bad news. And so if we're not balancing that with other uplifting sources, whether it be, you know, uplifting music or uh, service opportunities or um, even just stories of inspiration, um, that negatively oriented news cycle can start to impact the way that we see everything. And um, and so that's, that's part, of, part of what I was trying to do with the podcast was just give people you know, a small alternative that can add a little bit more light and optimism to their day. And it's not about, you know, escaping uh, truth or escaping the real problems that are around us, um, but it is about finding a place where you can recharge your batteries a little bit and then pick yourself up and get back to, to fighting the good fight. No, and I really like that. I mean, that was something that you had said in your first episode I just when you just started off with this is that um, the whole idea of escapism and that's not what you're trying to do trying to hide yourself from the problems but um, talking about positivity and how it helps solve problems so that was actually one of my next questions is how does positivity solve the world's problems well I think uh, there are a number of ways that positivity can serve as as the fuel that can drive um, you know, problem solving. One of them is that when you're looking for optimism, when you're looking for, for good things, you're going to find them. You'll never be disappointed when you're looking for reasons to be optimistic. Um, so I would say that's, that's number one. Number two, it's just a more pleasant way to live. And I think there are quite a few studies that have been done on the, the positive impacts to health and relationships. Um, when we practice things like gratitude, daily gratitude, writing down things that, that we're grateful for. Um, and then the third, I would say, and, and I touch on this a little bit in the um, introductory episode of my podcast, is that when we have a mindset of optimism and positivity, our brains actually function at a higher level, and we are better able, better equipped to solve problems. And one study that was done, and I believe it was, it was replicated um, in various other studies, was they took two different groups of participants, and um, their objective was to solve a series of, of puzzles. And um, for the control group, they didn't do anything. They simply gave them the instructions and then kind of turned them loose and, and let them solve as many puzzles as, as they could. And then for the, the test group, they sat them down, and prior to actually turning them loose on the puzzles, 
they showed them a short comedy routine. And that group uh, ended up outperforming the control group um, simply because they had, they had primed that group for a higher level of thinking just by giving them a little dose of, of humor and optimism. And so if we think about, you know, a, a response that some people might give to the idea that we should be positive is that, well, yeah, being positive is good, but, you know, we, we need to solve some problems here. We need to be real about things. And, and my response to that would be, I completely agree, and a more efficient way to solve those problems is for us to start with optimism and positivity because it's going to have a real impact on uh, the, the quality of our thinking, and we're going to arrive at solutions faster and, and um, in a more quality way if we're thinking about things in, in a positive light. Oh, no, I, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. And that is I mean, something that you mentioned is something that I've uh, tried to do pretty consistently. And that's write down at least one, like at least every day, write down one thing that I'm grateful for. And not just like think about it, but actually write it down so I can look back at it and make it a little bit more uh, real. And uh, I've definitely seen the benefits of that, um, just expressing something that I'm grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the unintended side effects of doing this podcast, um, and, and something that I wasn't really expecting, um, is that, you know, as I'm looking for content for future episodes, I'm, I'm, you know, constantly looking for positive stories, positive accounts of people who have overcome challenges or who are making a positive difference in their communities. And so as a result of that, it's, it's actually kind of retrained my, my brain. And, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm by nature, you know, typically a more positive guy anyway, but, but having a show that I'm committed to um, has actually given me even more reason to, to look for the good in the world. And I mean, it's there, it's, it's all around. And so I'm really grateful for that sort of personal impact that working on the show has, has had on me. Oh, that's really cool. I I really like that. That's something I hadn't thought about. Um, and actually, something going going back to that is, well, there's I have two questions. But why did you decide on everyday people? And after that, how do you select your stories or your guests for the uh, podcast? So uh, that's so those are those are two really good questions. The the first being about um, why everyday people. Um, one of the reasons is practical in that, you know, I'm, you know, I've, I've just wrapped up the first season of the podcast. And so, um, the audience has grown quite a bit and I'm really excited about that. Um, but it's also, you know, nowhere near the top of the, uh, the iTunes uh, <laughs> podcast charts. Um, and so part of, part of, you know, focusing on everyday people as the, as the interviewees and subjects of the episodes is, is just driven by practicality. I mean, um, there are there are fewer barriers to connect with with everyday people versus you know someone who's you know um, being interviewed by you know Time Magazine, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so part of it is just it's easier to to talk to everyday people. Um, but I would say the other the other part of it is you know I want this show to be about relatable optimism and sometimes when we hear accounts of people who you know they 
I don't know, they, they saved someone's life in, in you know, a, a horrific accident and then they, they, they did something truly heroic. Um, those, those stories are very inspiring and, and honestly, you know, it's not like I'm going to turn those types of stories away if, if I come across them and, and the people are, are able to, to come on the show. Um, but, but it's also easy to kind of put those types of accounts on a pedestal and say, you know what, like, that's really inspiring, but I don't really see that happening in, in normal day-to-day life. And so when we focus on stories like, you know, for example, one of the, one of the first episodes we did was about the lasting impact of grandparents in people's lives. And that episode has three everyday people sharing their accounts of how their lives would have been very different had their grandparents not had the influence that they had um, on their lives. And even though none of those people uh, is famous and there aren't any, you know, uh, incredible quote-unquote newsworthy stories that they share, um, that continues to be one of the, the episodes that resonates the most with people because I think everyone can relate to uh, the, the impact that, that a positive family relationship can have on their lives. And I think many of us can, can relate to um, the, the fact that grandparents can have an incredibly lasting impact on, on you know, how you grow up and how you think about the world. Um, and, so, and so that's, that's where um, I think some of the power of those everyday stories comes from is, is because we, we can all, you know, to one degree or another, relate to them. Um, the other question about how I select the, the guests for the show, um, you know, starting out, I, I, I wanted to be very clear about the fact that I didn't want to make this a partisan show. I didn't want to make it about, you know, one political party or the other. And so one of the things that I look for is, um, you know, stories of people who are either getting involved in their communities or are doing something to get after some of the, the challenging problems of the world. And so, um, you know, there, there's one story that, that we shared early on of a woman who um, she decided that she wanted to do something about the problem of homelessness in her community. And um, I had actually lived in Tennessee for a summer while I was doing an internship and I had discovered this, this cafe that this woman and her family had created. And the model for the cafe is that if you can afford to pay for your own meal, you're welcome to come and buy lunch and eat at the restaurant as if it were any other restaurant. Um, but if you can't afford to pay for a meal, you are welcome to come and work for an hour and then you receive a meal as payment. And you know, it was a, it was, it was just a really neat story about a lady who had seen a need in her community and um, had actually done something about it. And so, when I was living in Tennessee, uh, a friend of mine had introduced me to the cafe, and I went and ate there. And and so, even though at the time, you know, I was years away from starting the podcast, um, when I when I launched the podcast and started thinking about you know, different, different ideas of, of positive stories that I could feature, um, my mind 
remembered that that experience of going to eat at that really special restaurant. Um, and so whether it's a story of, of someone who just in their own life has overcome a big challenge or, you know, someone who's just doing something to make the world a little better, I think um, all of those are great fits for, for the show because at the end of the day, our mission is to focus on putting out a little bit of evidence in each episode that the world is still a good place. Hmm. Oh, that's really cool. I think that's really awesome that you took something from your past experience and um, remembered it and wanted to share that with uh, your audience. And so uh, I think that's really cool. So I do want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about some tactics of the podcast itself. And so um, I'd like to know some things. And one of the first questions is, who does the production for your podcast? How long does it take? And what are some of the tools that you use um, to produce your podcast? Okay. So from a straight up technical production standpoint, um, so I pretty much do all of the recording and the, um, you know, the post-production, the editing. Um, so I do have a background in audio engineering from my time at the radio station. And so my setup for recording, um, I, it, it, it kind of depends. If I'm, if I'm recording an interview um, for someone and it's in person, then I simply either go to their location and I have um, audio recording equipment. And if, if anyone is interested, um, they can definitely reach out to me with, with any questions they might have. Um, but I use the Zoom H6 Handy Recorder, and it's just a nice little portable digital audio recorder that has kind of interchangeable microphone um, modules that you can that you can use, or you can plug in, um, you know, external microphones as well. So I use that both when I'm traveling and recording people, um, and then I also use that in my home studio when I'm, for example, recording an interview. Um, over the phone um, and so I will record myself using kind of a better quality microphone that's plugged into that um, the H6 recorder and then I will run a separate line from the computer um, back into the recorder so that I can record myself and the interviewee on two separate channels and that way if I cough or if I make a mistake it doesn't spoil the audio from the interviewee. Hmm. Um, so that's in terms of the actual like capturing the audio. That's that's the setup that I use. Um, and then when it comes to editing, I have um, Adobe Audition, which I really enjoy. That's the program that I used when I was working at the, the radio station, and I've just felt like it's it's a it's a faster learning curve. Um, if, if you don't have a background in audio engineering, it's a little bit easier to get into. Um, and then, um, and I, and I like it because you can do multi-track, um, mixing, you can layer in different, um, sound effects and music tracks and, and all of that good stuff. So, so that's what I use for the kind of the post-production and, and the editing. Um, and then once the episodes are finalized, um, I publish those to a podcasting platform called Podbean, um, and uh, that that platform has has served me pretty well. That the price wasn't too.
too high, and um, it's it's fairly it's fairly a, a straightforward process when you're when you're putting out episodes. Okay, and just uh, out of curiosity, why did you choose Podbean over SoundCloud? Um, so, as with many things, it was a matter of who I knew, mm-hmm. um, and so I had a friend who. Um, had been doing a podcast for about three years, and he had um, kind of based his operation on Podbean, and had had um, you know a decent experience with it. And um, so I did a little bit of research, and I and I did look into SoundCloud as well. And I I actually haven't ruled out SoundCloud um, for future expansion. Um, but uh, but yeah, I decided to at least launch with with kind of a known quantity with Podbean, and then potentially expand from there. Okay, that makes sense. And then, um, how do you do your marketing? I mean, um, well, I guess before that, what you're on all platforms, right? Like Stitcher and iTunes and everything like that. Yeah, Stitcher, Google Play, um, Spotify, um, Stitcher. I'm trying to think. It's and, and then there's a bunch of and then iTunes. And, and, I mean, it's interesting because, like, you look into different podcasting apps and, I mean, as long as you're on, like, iTunes and Stitcher, um, it, it's interesting how many other podcasting platforms reference, like, the iTunes feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you, can, if you can get on, like, iTunes, then chances are, without doing any additional effort, um, you're you're going to be you know searchable and and discoverable on other platforms as well, and that was something that I wasn't expecting, but it was kind of a nice surprise. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then kind of the follow on to that, I, how do you do your marketing? Um, I, mean, I know you have a website as well, and I've seen you um, share it on LinkedIn. I, what's your most successful method of marketing, and what are some of your tactics for marketing? Yeah. So. Um, Season one was definitely a season of experimentation, and uh, I think, you know, we're using this time in the off-season, we're, you know, summer of 2018, um, to kind of regroup and and build kind of a more cohesive strategy around our marketing, because right now, um, you know, as you referenced, there, there are some episodes that we've done that fit in very well for a, a LinkedIn audience, because they're more kind of professional topics in nature. Um, so I interviewed uh, a man named Jeff Hayden, who is a LinkedIn influencer. He has you know, almost a million followers on LinkedIn. He was putting out a new book. And um, you know, just through sort of shooting for the moon and <laughs> trying to land him as an interviewee, I was able to, to interview him um, for one of the episodes. And so that was a topic that was very relevant for a LinkedIn audience. and. Um, as far as you know, downloads. That's that's been our most successful episode to date mm. because he kind of had his own following that he pointed towards the episode, and then plus it was it was a topic that I think was of general interest to a professional uh, demographic, um, and so uh, so LinkedIn is definitely helpful. Um, and then when there are, and then um, we also have a Facebook page. And every time we put out a new episode, then we, we definitely blast it out to our Facebook page. And we have a, you know, a small but mighty group of fans that, that follows us there. Um, 
We've also made a few forays into email marketing, which has been which has been good um, because when the when the podcast first um, launched, um, it was more about just getting the episodes out the door. But then after a little while, we decided, well, let's let's see if we can do something to leverage the networks that you know I had either built up professionally or or personally, and so. Um, one tactic that I used was to compile an email list of, you know, most of my personal and or professional contacts um, into a single list and then using um, MailChimp uh, sent out kind of a kickoff email that gave people the chance to uh, learn about the, the podcast and what we were trying to do um, and then also gave them some, some more information about um, you know, recent episodes that we had put out, and so we saw a good spike from um, from that effort as well in terms of our in terms of our downloads. Um, and so those those are a few of the things that we that we do. Um, one of the things that we're working on strategizing for season two is um, looking at at partnerships. You know, are there um, you know, are there other people that are similarly focused on, on positive things, or do do other content creators exist who have audiences that would probably be interested in the same types of things that, that we are doing on the on the podcast? And so, we're trying to explore whether there are any opportunities for, for collaboration or kind of cross promotion there, um, because I think if anything. Um, the last few years has has taught I think, all of us that you know you can try to do something all by yourself, but the road's going to be a lot longer and harder than if you can connect with other people who are um, you know believers in the same cause and can sort of um, combine their their efforts toward the same goal. And so we're just trying to trying to be a little more thoughtful in the second season about how we go about, you know, building those, those partnerships, but we're really excited about it. No, that's cool. And actually that was another one of my questions. Why did you decide to do seasons? Um, so one of them was, was, uh, you know, cause with, with podcasting, there are different models that you can do, obviously. Um, and each one carries some risk. So, um, you know, some podcasts that have, the resources and you know a, a staff that's sufficiently large, they just go year round, and they might do occasional um, you know rerun episodes. I think of you know some of the more famous podcasts like This American Life or Radio Lab, mm-hmm. and if if they're able to to do that and consistently put out episodes, you know one a week or so, then that's a really awesome way to to sustain and build a very vibrant audience. Um, in my case, you know, this, this podcast is definitely a side hustle and, um, it's not my full-time job, but it is something that I'm very passionate about and I believe in the mission of the show. And so, um, coming out of the first season, um, you know, cause my wife is my partner in many things, but, but especially in, in the podcast and she, um, is, is really good at, um, perceiving when I'm getting kind of close to my limit on things. And so as we talked about how the first season was going, um, 
you know, she she raised the idea of well, what if we what if we do like a season model where we pause on production of new episodes in terms of putting them out every two weeks, and then we use the summertime to recharge a little bit, but also work on new content creation and think about our social media strategy and also um, work on you know finding additional um, show topics for season two. And so that's ultimately why we elected to, to go with that model because we just felt like number one it would it would help just on the personal side um, avoiding the potential to, to burn out because even though I'm super passionate about the the show, um, it's still a ton of work. Um, you know, one episode, depending on how involved it is, can take upwards of you know ten to fifteen hours to produce. Mm-hmm. When you add up all of the research that you do for the show, and coordinating schedules, and interviewing the person, and then sifting through the audio after the fact, and choosing music, writing narration, and voicing it, and um, writing copy for the website. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. Um, and so um, I think, you know, my wife is very wise when it comes to helping me um, know when, when I need to kind of tap the brakes a little bit and, and take time to recharge. Oh, that's good. No, I like that. I think that's, I think that's cool, too, that you don't, like, and you've mentioned this already, not doing it on your own, but that you um, look to your wife for guidance and help and um, how she's helping out with the production and uh, making sure it's still... Um, run smoothly and everything like that. So I like that uh, that you're not just trying to do it all on your own. Yeah, and and I will also say I, I also need to give credit to my my sister um, Laura Hooper, who uh, handles our social media work. So she manages our Instagram account, and um, she's she's more savvy at social media than either uh, I am or or my wife is, and. Um, so I definitely want to give her a shout out as well for all the all the help that she gives us for the podcast too. Oh, awesome! Um, I want one more question about. Um, well, this isn't really tactics, but I and this might be a weird question, but what do you think your voice is? And I'm using quotation marks, but and what's your voice for the podcast? Or I guess another way you could look at it is how do you have your podcast be unique from other podcasts? Yeah. So. I, um, that's, that's one of the most challenging things. I think when you're creating a podcast is figuring out what, what unique contribution you can make to the conversation. Um, and I think, um, in many ways, the voice is probably something that can be better articulated by, by followers of the show, listeners who, who find value in it. Um, but I will, I will take a stab at it. Um, so I would say that the voice of the podcast, Good Valley, is um, it is a place where people can find content reliably that will make them kinder, smarter, and better. And so whether it's a topic that's educational in nature or um, a, a story that just on a personal level can be inspiring. Um, I think the, the voice of the podcast is um, 
is one that regardless of your your background you can you can know that um, time spent with us will be will be time that leaves you feeling more um, optimistic and hopeful about the state of the world and your own ability to overcome challenges that you might be going through um, and also your ability to to help other people do the same um, so that's I think at, at, at this stage that's the that's the most uh, accurate I can I can be um, in terms of what unique voice the the good rally podcast is bringing to the conversation well I think that's a really good way to describe it I think that's awesome uh, the work you're doing so I want to be sensitive to your time so um, I do have a couple of other kind of off topic fun questions I like to ask to wrap up these conversations but if you're out of time I don't want to hold you any longer because I know it's a little bit later where you are yeah no we've um, we can we can run through those I've I'm still good. Okay, cool. Um, so, and this could relate to the podcast, but the first one is who are some of your mentors or who is somebody that inspires you? Well, um, I, I referenced a friend who has been running his own podcast for, I guess it's probably closer to four years now. Um, his name is Craig Hanks, and he has a fantasy literature um, inspired podcast called The Legendarium, and so I mean, our topics are completely different. <laughs> um, he and a group of his friends they they basically do book reviews and and they stay up on current events for things like Comic Con and they do reviews of you know the new Marvel movies and and all that. So it's it's very much a a fantasy um, kind of comic book oriented podcast, but. Um, in the early stages of the ideation for the Good Rally podcast, he was super helpful in just kind of sharing his experiences with me and helping helping me avoid maybe some of the pitfalls that, that he um, fell into early on. Um, and so I've been extremely grateful for the help that he has given me and, and know that the, the podcast uh, launch wouldn't have gone as smoothly as it did. Um, without without his help so so again his name is Craig Hanks and um, you should definitely check out his his podcast The Legendarium it's a lot of fun cool no I'll um, I'll definitely take it out yeah um, and then the other mentor I would say um, his uh, he and he's actually someone that I worked with previously at an educational software company but his name is Mike Wingett and he is um, really really talented when it comes to video production is really good with um, you know crafting a strong narrative and storytelling and um, so as I was talking to different people about the idea of creating this podcast he was just super supportive huge advocate um, had really good ideas really good um, suggestions for how to figure out um, you know what the what the topic of the show was going to be, and uh, so similar to to Craig, I would say that you know without Mike Wingett, you know the the Good Rally podcast would not have launched as as successfully as it has. So I'm very grateful to him. How do you spell his last name? Just out of curiosity. It's W I N G E T. Okay. okay. So like like a bird's wing, mm-hmm. Wingett. 
Y N G E T. Okay, so. perfect. Um, next question: uh, How do you deal with failure, or uh, how do you persevere when things get tough? <laughs> oh man! So I think one of the things that helps the most, and and this is something that probably comes to bear more often in like my professional career, just because there are many more opportunities on a daily basis to fail um, at a, at a full time job than there would be at a podcast. But mm-hmm. um, I try to do a couple of things. Um, one is I, um, you know, I, I try to exercise as often as I can. Um, exercising to me is is a really good way to kind of decompress and de-stress from, from a lot of the stresses of the day, um, many of which come from failure. Um, it's also for me, a great way to kind of kick off my day because even if I've had, you know, a day yesterday where things didn't go as well as I wanted them to, um, if I can get up early in the morning and get out the door and, you know, run a few miles and do something hard, then for the rest of the day, I kind of have that as a starting point where it's like, yeah, I mean, I've got these challenging situations to deal with, but like I got up first thing this morning and I got out there and I ran and that was hard, but I did it. And so maybe this thing that I'm doing now isn't so hard. Um, whether that's taking on a new challenge or, or overcoming a, a failure. Um, the other thing that has become increasingly important to me as I've gotten older and as my kids have grown up and you know, as I've deepened in my relationship with, with my wife, um, is staying connected to to God, um, and I find that you know the the weaker my relationship is with with God, uh, the easier it is for me to start feeling you know feelings of despair about you know things not going the way that I want them to. Um, but when I'm you know doing things on a daily basis that that remind me that that God is there and that he is aware of my, my problems and my worries and concerns. Um, there's a, there's a great sense of reassurance that comes from that because, you know, if, if he's connected to my situation, if he's aware of what's going on and, and wants me to be successful, um, you know, I can, I can feel more at peace with the occasional failures that come because, because I know that, um, it's all going to work out because he has a plan and his vision, his vision exceeds mine and he understands things that I don't understand. Um, and, and that's okay. So I would say those two things, um, among many, many other things that I could list, but, but those are the two things that I would say right now. Well, those are both awesome. All right. Uh, next question. And as I said, if you ever run out of time or anything like that, just let me know and I'll stop. Um, let's see. Okay. The next question, what's the, what's the best lesson one of your parents ever taught you? Wow. Um, so I would say that one of the best lessons that, that one of my parents taught me, um, and I'll, I'll pick one um, that comes from my dad. So growing up, my dad was involved in a lot of um, church service. Um, he was... Um, at various times, a, a leader of our local congregation. He 
um, also had other leadership positions um, that were kind of um, kind of larger in scope, and um, that that season of life growing up, um, he um, he spent a lot of time serving other people, and he had you know a career. He was a he was a dentist uh, by profession, and uh, that. That profession is, is not always um, easy. I, I don't think any profession is always easy, but, but his, his career as a dentist wasn't always easy and um, took a lot of work. And um, so to see how he, in a very straightforward and stable and reliable way, focused on making sure that he was you know, getting, getting the job done at work, um, but then on many days coming home and you know, changing into his uh, his his suit and going to church meetings and um, you know sometimes spending quite a few hours um, at night serving people, ministering to people, hearing their their problems and counseling them. Um, you know, I can't I can't imagine how challenging that must have been for him on on many many days. Um, but he he did it, and um, I don't know that I ever heard him complain about you know having to go and listen to so and so and their problems or, or anything like that. Um, and so I just think about like what a what a weight that must have been on his shoulders. But um, you know he he still did the things that he needed to do and. Um, to me, that that's continued to be a really good example for me because there are times when I can get a little overwhelmed about um, you know the the challenges of work and raising a an ever growing family and trying to you know be a, a successful breadwinner and you know making sure that I'm I'm doing all the other things that I need to be doing. It can be a little stressful, but um, you know I look to my my dad as a good example of how to keep it all together and, and, you know, do it with love and, and also with quite a bit of humor as well. Cause my dad has a, has a great sense of humor. So I'm grateful for that. Oh, that's really cool. That's a great, great story to share. Um, what's a book that you think everybody should read outside of a religious, like the Bible or something like that, but what's a book that you think everybody should read? So one of the books that first, inspired me the most outside of, as you, as you say, you know, some of the, the religious um, texts is uh, a book that I think a lot of people have heard of. It's, it's called The Alchemist by um, a, and, and originally the, the book was written in Portuguese, um, but the author is Paulo Coelho, and it's sort of an extended um, fable or an allegory about a young boy named Santiago who's a shepherd in southern Spain. And so that, that might be part of why I, I really enjoyed the book is because I actually lived in the part of the world where, where the book is set, um, at least at the start. And he's, he's a boy who um, finds himself very inspired and compelled to, to find out what his purpose in life is and, and goes through a lot of very um, 
challenging length to to pursue that that purpose. And I think at the time that I first read that book, I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to do kind of as an undergrad and was feeling kind of stressed out about things and wondering if, you know, everything was going <clears> to, <throat> everything was going to work out. And um, so reading that book, it just, it just totally inspired me because it's like, there are just all these really nice truths that are kind of embedded into the narrative of the book. And so whether you're trying to figure out like how to be a better, you know, mother or father or trying to figure out like how to start a new business or how to do a career change, um, that book can be really inspiring and I would, I would highly recommend it because I think a lot of people, they hold back from, from really diving into what they feel um, could truly bring them fulfillment in their lives just because they, they're, they're afraid or they don't know what the steps are that they need to take. And, um, and that book offers a lot of really memorable encouragement for, for people who might otherwise be too afraid to, to pursue their, their higher purpose in life. Got it. No, that is one of the books that, uh, I have on my to read list, but it always gets pushed back, but I've heard a lot of people say, uh, good things about it. Um, okay. So. Well, I want to wrap it up now. As I said, we're kind of coming up on an hour pretty much. So the way I like to wrap these up is give you – you've said a lot of great things, but if there's a piece of advice or something that you want to say to wrap it up, I give you the last word. Okay. So I would say one of the things that um, has been a lesson that probably took me too long to learn was that – you may have in your mind some sort of goal um, or, or a dream or a desire. And it might seem like it's, it's impossible um, because you might not understand like what the next step is that you have to take. Um, but if, if there's anything that I've learned in probably the last five or six years of life, it's, it's that um, you can accomplish really hard things if you are willing to start small and just take little steps to get there. Um, so this is, this is more on a personal side, but, um, so when I was an undergrad, I got to a point where I didn't know where my undergrad was going. I didn't know what kind of a job I wanted to get out of my undergrad. And I wasn't really that optimistic that I was going to be able to successfully graduate from, from college. And for a time, I actually dropped out of college and um, had just sort of resigned myself to the fact that, like, I wasn't going to finish school and didn't really, you know, expect a whole lot from a professional standpoint. Um, but that period of time gave me a chance to sort of reflect on, on what I really wanted to do outside of the pressure of, of school. And it gave me a chance to kind of rediscover what felt right to me in terms of, you know, the next thing I want to pursue. And so I was able to return back to school and finish my undergrad. And that single 
um, I think achievement is what I'll call it. It was it, it really was an achievement um, has has influenced you know everything that that happened thereafter because once once I was able to kind of get through that really challenging time, um, you know I was able to pursue work that felt more meaningful to me and then. Later on, you know, I had the crazy idea of going back to school and getting my MBA, and um, even though it was really daunting and scary, I had that experience to look back on um, to, to motivate me. And so if you're listening to this and you feel like maybe um, there are opportunities that, that you're just not cut out for, um, I would say don't give up on those. It, it may be that right now isn't the right time, um, but just know that there are people who are waiting to, to help you be successful in your goals, and um, as long as you're willing to put in the time to make those connections and do the research and, and put, in the, put in the work, um, you, can, you can accomplish things that, um, that you might not see now. Like you might not feel like you can do them now, but um, I can say from very personal experience that that those things are possible, and that that you can do it. Well, that is uh, that is great advice, and I'm definitely going to apply that to my life. And Rob, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, evening to talk with me for almost an hour now, and uh, I really appreciate everything that you uh, said today. No, I, I appreciate it, Tim. It was a it was a great experience to come on your show, and um, it it's actually given me some good opportunities to reflect on some of the things that that I've learned as well. So it's it's been a meaningful experience for me too. So I appreciate it. Okay, awesome. Hey, thanks so much, Rob. Yep, no problem. All right, before I go, I just want to say thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If you want to chat, feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter or Instagram at Timmy A Holly. And once again, I am Tim Hawley. And until next time, have a great week.